Hey Punkrockers, do you like bands like Voodoo Ghost Calls, The Willem Scream, New Implants, Darko, Police, The Guard, Tsunami Bound, Big Team, The Kids Table, Adrenalize, Friends All Round, Dead by Stereo, Band Media, Racket, Dead Fucking Last, Much The Same, and many more? Are you obsessed with band merch like I am? <laughs> if yes, press pause on this episode and go on EpicMerchStore.com. They offer t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, hats, and kids merch for more than 230 punk rock, ska, metal, and hardcore bands from all around the world. And they now have mugs. Yeah, wow, the coffee's gonna be great. Go get your merch at EpicMerchStore.com. Hello, hello, punk rock humans. Welcome to the Punk Rocket Show episode 63. I'm your host. My name is Emily and I live in Quebec City in Canada, which makes me a Quebecois and a French Canadian. I am very passionate about punk rock and I love to share my music love with you, my friends. Today, oh, my guest is Joe Raposo, aka Lil Joe of the band Lagwagon and RKL. We talked about the history of RKL, and today you'll hear the first part. I will also talk to you about the amazing times I had at the Red Bridge Festival. The show is starting now, let's go! What's new in your life? So for me, it's currently Sunday afternoon. And yesterday I went to the Red Bridge Festival and I had so much fun. (laughs) So it's a festival close to Quebec City on a great spot. It's about 35 minutes from downtown Quebec City. So it's very close. Um, It's next to a very beautiful river. The, The spot of the festival is so beautiful. And it was the second edition of the Red Bridge Fest. The last one was like three years ago before COVID. (coughs) (coughs) I wasn't there on Friday, but there were bands like Guttermouth, Strung Out, Poly, etc. It seems like a great... Oh, no fun at all, too. So people had a great Friday. I only went on Saturday. So I arrived there uh, early in the afternoon, maybe at 2 p.m. And I was right on time to watch the band Fort in Line. I've never seen them before. It was super good. I was happy to hear some hardcore punk right at the start. After that, it was my friends from Hitch and Go Fuck you, Max. who played an amazing blend of skate punk and pop punk. I played that. I played them before on this show. I repunkmaned them maybe once or twice. They're really good. They were rad. After that, it was my friends of much the same on the stage. It was super fun and I was very happy because they invited me to sing on the song You Used to Have a Garden for some back vocals. Woohoo! So, and it made me the first woman on the stage ever for this festival. So I was happy to to accept the offer of much the same because the only thing I found it was a flaw about this festival was the lack of women or diversity on the stage. So I was like, oh, I'll be like, I'll, I'll be acting according to my values and go and be the woman <laughs> on the stage. And it was super fun. But beside of that, it's such a great, great, great festival. The organization is amazing. The staff is great. The lineup of bands was like insanely good. So I was really on a like positive vibes and all I wanted was to have fun with everyone, with the bands, with the staff, with the people, with my punk rock friends. And that's what I did. And after much the same, oh, I was really sad because it was supposed to be Craig's brother, but they had to cancel because of COVID. So yeah, I was sad. So I was wearing my Craig's brother shirt. <laughs> I want to say hi to my friend Steven from the band because I wish I could have met him in person. But, uh, you know, bummer. But I was happy to see my friends of the band Mute because they replaced Craig's brother on the lineup. And I love them so much. I had a thunder blast <laughs> watching them. I also watched um, Jagged's Revenge after that. I think it was the first time I was seeing them. It was a great show. And oh, my favorite show yesterday was definitely Satanic Surfers. I only saw them twice in the past. Like three years ago, they played two shows 
in a row in Quebec City. But Rodrigo was only singing, only, quote-unquote, because it was already amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yesterday, he was playing drums. So it was totally the first time I could see that. Um, wow. And after that, it was Voodoo Glow Skulls. It was a great set, as always. I was happy to see Ephraim on the stage. Great moments. I was sad because after that, it was less than Jake. But I missed them because I was too hungry. Because I was a little stressed. Because I was singing on the stage. And so I forgot to eat. Because when I'm nervous, I have nausea. And I can't eat. And after that, I was just so happy to see all the bands. I didn't take the time to eat. So like around 9, um, yeah, 9 p.m., I was like, I'm gonna die. Also, I wanted to avoid the festival traffic. I had to drive. So I went to, to my friend's place and she made me hot dogs. Thank you, Valérie. <laughs> But I had a great time. The organization and staff, like I said, were awesome. Everyone was so happy. We didn't have a lot of rain, just a little. I, have a, I had a lot of fun with my punk rock friends and all the bands. Good job to everyone involved in the festival. Bravo, les amis. Okay, let's listen to Much the Same and their song You Used to Have a Garden because I had I had so much fun singing this with them at the Red Bridge Festival on the album. Um, the singer's name is Jillian. She did an amazing job uh, on the vocals, so I was honored to sing her parts on the show.
big episode today, but before we dive into the interview with Joe, I want to welcome our new Patreon, Edgar. In French, I would say Edgar. He's from California and his favorite bands are Strung Out, Propagandy, Bad Religion, Dream Theater, Megadeth. He loves photography, Magic the Gathering and soccer. He's working with elderly and people with disabilities. And I think that's so punk, my friend. Welcome on board. Yeah, now it's time to listen to the interview I made with Joe of RKL, Rich Kids on LSD. And also Lagwagon. He was such an amazing guest, for real. He opened his heart and he was very generous with his time. We talked for like an hour, 20 minutes. <laughs> so that's why I'm going to do two parts. And it's amazing because I had like 20 questions for him. But I asked the first one about having a brief history of RKL and... Woo! He talked for like an hour 20 and answered automatically to all my other questions. <laughs> so it was really insane. Um, and since Fat Records just released the RKL Live in a Dive album, we mostly talk about rich kids on LSD. So this week, you'll hear about the start of the band when Joe was really young. So, so you'll learn about his own story too. It's crazy. I love that. And next week, it will be more about the end of the band. About uh, Joe talked also a lot about Derek and about his punk rock friends that left the world too early. And it was very emotional, very interesting. So be there next week too. Let's go, Joe. Enjoy the first part now. Hi, Joe. Nice to see you. How's it going? Oh, I'm great. And you? Good, good. Doing good. Sorry about uh, oh, yesterday. <laughs> that's fine. I actually, I was, um, uh, yesterday I was a little hangover. So <laughs> I think I'm in a better shape today anyway. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't hungover. I was just... Uh, I just slept in. I totally forgot. I thought it was for today yeah, anyways. Fine. So it, it wasn't on my radar, but I mean, I don't know. Melanie uh, texted yeah. me the, uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, details for this. So, I mean, usually I put it in my calendar and it's a lot easier, like, because I'll get, yeah. you know, reminders and stuff. But yeah. It's just funny. It's so. fine. I mean, it's it, it was at noon, so I never have other plans for this time so it's fine I, I was okay to do it today and also it allowed me to ask the listeners more questions for you <laughs> oh okay well Good. all right then. yeah so thank you for being my guest i'm super happy to have you on the podcast i hope my english will be fine sometimes it's like I can totally understand what you're saying. Yeah, so. okay, thanks. You're cool. <laughs> Good. So I want to talk mostly about the new album. I see your background right now. It's amazing. But uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, had to, I had to, you know, kind of uh, support Dan Sykes on the awesome album artwork. It's really cool. It's like it's great. some of his best work. I love yeah. it. So. I also want to talk a little about um, maybe about some Lagwagon a little and I have some questions from the listener, mostly about bass playing. <laughs> okay. So Well, I think I can answer those. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> worried for you about that. So um, I'm <laughs> curious because uh, RKL is a well-known band, but a lot of people don't know much about the history of the band. And I think it's super interesting, sometimes really sad. So can you just make a little history of the band for the listeners with all the breakups and the comebacks and just briefly? It's not, it's not a simple <laughs> breakdown. And I don't think that I can do it briefly. It's, it's, I have all I my mean, time. <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, so RKL formed in, in the early eighties, mm -hmm. right. And then signed mixed mystic records. I'm going to try to keep this short, but I'm, I'm going to start from the, the beginning. Yeah. Here. But I think we can make um, some links with the album through the, the history too. So, yeah, sure. I'll try to do that as well. So they, they formed in the early eighties and then got signed, uh, by mystic. They did a couple of compilations for mystic records and then they did a full length, uh, keep laughing. I think it was, I want to say it was 83 or 84. Mm -hmm. It was probably 83 or something. Um, and then, uh, and for me being disconnected from that, but kind of connected 
connected uh, because it wasn't in the band then. I, I was just like a, a you know a little shit, thirteen year old, fourteen yeah. year old skate punk, right? And and RKL was actually my favorite wow. band before I joined them. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> so, because I wonder yeah. if at that time, because you arrived like four years after in a band, maybe. Uh, Yeah, yeah, four years after that. So I yeah. wonder what was the your perception of the band at this time. So, so it was your favorite band. It was about yeah. I, I mean, RKL was like me and like all, like the group of of people that I skateboarded with or or just hung out with the metalheads and and um, and and high school guys and and, uh, and I guess this is this is really middle school too, uh, if you think about it. But. Um, Yeah, like everybody was in RKL, so yeah. so it was cool. Uh, and then and then I started a band um, uh, before I joined the band, uh, and uh, this was right around the time that they were recording Rock and Roll Nightmare. Mm -hmm. And I want to say that this was uh, uh, 1987 or so. Like I formed the band in like 1986, mm -hmm. but we sounded exactly like RKL. I mean, we were like an RKL clone band, you know. But we, originals, we didn't do any covers, but uh, so. Uh, when, when those guys were recording Rock and Roll Nightmare, they were they were still touring um, off of Keep Laughing, and they did a couple of, uh, of tours, um, and uh, and they they kept on having like problems with their bass players, you know. So so at this point, um, I think it was uh, uh, they called him Ricky Barossa. <laughs> <laughs> And, and they kicked him out of the band, probably for borrowing too much, too many socks, but I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and they were looking for a bass player. And so they put flyers up all over San Francisco. Wow. And, um, and a friend of mine that I was in the band with, a drummer at the time, my, my good friend, uh, uh, Dave, I wasn't even driving at this time at all. I didn't even have my license. So skateboarding everywhere, taking buses and stuff and hitching rides off my, my buddy Dave. And, uh, and, and so my, my, my buddy Dave Cotter said, you know, you should really try out for, for RKL, but I had only been playing bass for about a year or How something. old were you? I think you were very young. I, yeah, I was 17 uh, years old. Yeah. Yeah, so I was 17, and, you know, like, I mean, to me, like, I really wanted, what I really wanted to do is I wanted to become, like, an amateur professional skateboarder or something. That was, like, my main goal at the time. Uh, I really didn't have any direction then. I was just, music was just pretty much fun. Um, and so... And so he's like, you should try out. And I'm like, nah, I really don't want to try out. Like, I'm not even that good. I haven't even been playing for a long time, yeah. you know, and, and whatever. So, so he just like, he surprised me one day and he's like, dude, I'm coming over your house. I'm picking you up and we're going to do something. I'm going to surprise you. We're going to do something when I go picking you up. And so, and so I'm like, okay, well, cool. All right. It was like a Saturday morning or something <laughs> like that. So he picks me up and, and then he's like, I'm taking you to RKL uh, audition. Whoa. Like surprise. He's like, I set it up for you and everything. And he's like, I'm taking you there <laughs> right now. And I'm like, you fucking <laughs> asshole. What the fuck are you doing? And, and he's like, nope, you have no say in the matter. I'm taking you there. So we're going. And I'm like, fuck, okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, I have no choice. Well, I mean, you know, and I had nothing to do for the day. I was pretty pissed, but, you know, it was just like kind of like one of those things. I mean, what are you going to do? Like, he didn't really tell me until like we were like, I don't know, like 30 minutes into the <laughs> ride or something. So we were like, it was in Marin and we were already in like San Francisco or something at that point. And, and really, I mean, what, I, I couldn't like force him to turn the car around or anything like that. He was just like adamant. He's like, nope, you're going. So, so he took me to the audition And, uh, and apparently did okay. You know, like those guys were like, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, it's cool. So, and, uh, so they gave me a, um, a, a, uh, uh, like a tape, a cassette tape of, of the new album that they had already recorded and it was rock and roll nightmare. And so, so Dave Cotter being a big, huge RKL fan and me being a huge RKL fan, we're like, Uh, riding back in his car and listening to rock and roll nightmare. And, and we were like, Oh my God, this is like such a, a huge, like different sound from, from keep laughing. It's like, we were blown away, wow. like completely blown away. And I thought like, all I'd have to do is, was learn like keep laughing. And then, you know, some other compilations were, were pretty easy to play. And now I'm hearing this shit. And I'm like, fuck, I'm not going to be able to play this shit. There's no way. Oh. <laughs> like, are you, 
Are you kidding me? Because the like, base, I mean, there's all these. The like, base was upgraded, like more complicated stuff in it. Everything was. Everything was. I mean, the base was just. It was insane, like how gnarly it was, like all the base parts and everything. And 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 then I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll go to a you know another audition because like I didn't really get the mm -hmm. job, but but Bomber who had played bass and drums and um and sang some parts and probably played guitar too on the record a little bit. Uh, he's like, well, why don't you come over for a second audition and I'll start teaching you songs oh, wow. for, off of Rock and Roll Nightmare. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. So, so at this point, uh, like at this point I, I was, I was going to high school, but then I got kicked out oh. of high school. I actually got kicked out of high school. And so they, they, uh, sent me to homeschool. So it kind of worked out a little bit because, uh, I, I only had to meet up with the teacher about like two or three times a week and do homework oh. and bring it to him and meet it's him amazing. somewhere someplace. <laughs> So it worked out great. So like during the day, I would take the train up to San Francisco from, because I lived in San Mateo, it was about 15 mm -hmm. minutes away. So I take the train up to San, San Francisco. I'd have my little bass case with, with my bass in it because I played a headless bass, stupid headless bass that, you know, but it was like really small. So it was perfect yeah. and it was light. So, so I, I'd take my skateboard on the train and then skateboard like about five or six miles to uh, the lower height uh, where that was like upper hate, um, by Golden Gate Park where, where they were staying. Yeah. And so, and so that's how I got around. <laughs> sometimes I take the bus, sometimes I'd skateboard, but, uh, and so I learned the songs and Bomber was teaching me it. And then I, I adapted really wow. fast and I did a good job. And, and after t about two or three times with the, uh, with the band doing, Like, you know, a couple auditions here with, with, with Bomber and then, and then Chris coming in playing a little bit of guitar. He's like, well, you got the job if you want yes. to, you know? So I said, <laughs> okay, well, hell yeah. And so this was in, this was in 1987. So like right? you were kicked out of the school and now you announce your parents, like, or people who was taking care of you, your friends around your family, that you're now in a band called Rich Kids on LSD and you're kicked out of the school. So... Oh, pretty much. Yeah. So like, you know, I'm, I'm sure my parents were really, really proud of me. Coffee delivery. <laughs> <I> don't... <laughs> wow. No, but yeah, of course. But it's like, okay, so it's kicking, it's kicked out of the, of the school. And uh, then look at the name of his new band. He's 17. <laughs> it's kind of, oh, <laughs> What? That's great. yeah, yeah. I'm going places, you know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's a miracle they didn't ship me off to like military school or something <laughs> like that. that point, right? Uh, now my parents are really cool and supportive, so I, I love my parents. They're still alive, and and I see them all the time. But but yeah, they they were they were supportive. My brother played guitar mm -hmm. too, so my brother was in bands, and and so they knew they knew that we played music. You yeah. Know? So that was on their radar. So they're just kind of like, okay, well, that's cool. You're in a band too. Manuel's in a band. My brother is in a band. So it was like, it was kind of a normal exactly. thing. Exactly. And know? they just knew that their son had a talent and it's a, it's an okay job to have. Like music, it's a perfect job to have, but some... Well, it's not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not for, not, 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 they were like, for a hobby, it's cool. You know, at that point, yeah. they're not like... But they, but they weren't surprised, you know? Exactly. They, they didn't think we were going to do it for a living. I see. You know, at that point, they're like... They just, they just knew that we liked having fun and we liked playing in bands and stuff, you know? So, but they, they were cool. They were really supportive. Um, you know, they let me go to the city by myself when I was 17 and, you know, like they, they were totally cool with that and trusted me to take care of myself yeah. and, and everything. So, all right, well, getting back to the story. Yes. I love, <laughs> I long. really love the story. I'm like super like concentrate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you guys are interested because this is, this is old news for me. So it's kind of boring stuff, but anyways, um, so, so I joined the band and then, and then we play our first shows and, and it, they go off. Like everybody's like super stoked. Um, the, the band's playing really well mm. together. You know, I'm locking in a, as a bass player and I'm learning a lot. Like this is like my, basically like, like my, my learning curve yeah. went from like this To like mm. that it just shot up because i had bomber i had a personal bass teacher who was 
fucking awesome. You know, he was like, I mean, he was like a, a, a just a, a musical genius pretty much, you know, wow. just really super, super talent. Um, whatever he did, like before he died, he was playing classical piano. Wow. He was teaching himself how to play classical piano. Yeah. Mm. So, <laughs> So he learned how to play for basically like every instrument. And now he's playing classical piano. Anyways, getting back to the story. Um, so uh, at that point, uh, Rock and Roll Nightmare came out. It was doing really yeah. good. People, people were stoked. Um, it influenced a lot of yeah. bands. Uh, and, uh, and people were into it. And, and so we're like, okay, well, wh what are we going to do? You know, because those guys toured the States and they're like, we don't want to fucking tour the States anymore because both the tours that they did were just, they were disaster. Oh, really? In, in, in fact, I think the second tour was actually called RKL's disaster. <laughs> oh shit. That's how, that's what they named it. And I think that's the one where they, they also toured with the Melvins at that point too, is RKL wow. and the Melvins. Um, and they're like, we don't want to do that. So uh, we knew uh, Dave from MDC and he had uh, hooked up with Dave Pollock from uh, Destiny Records and Destiny Booking. And he's like, look, we, MDC just did a tour there. And so you guys can like totally hook up with Dave and you guys can do a European tour. So everybody's like, whoa, okay, cool. Yeah. Let's do it. So it got set up. And in uh, 88, we did our first European tour. Yeah. Yeah. Is it so? Is this this tour that the the album was recorded, or it was another one? Are you talking about the live and a yes. dive, or are you talking about uh, okay? Yeah, the no, live and a dive. Uh, it, it this live and a dive was recorded in 1989. Oh, okay, but, but we, you had another live did, in Berlin or in Germany. Oh, live so in Berlin was recorded okay. at the end of okay. the '88 okay. tour, the very end. And so that actually catapulted our popularity mm -hmm. in Europe. Oh. Like that's when we became huge, yeah. like in Europe, like really big. I mean, like we, we started playing the, like these funky squat clubs in, in 88. Like that's how we started our tours. Um, like, I mean, it, it was crazy. You know, we'd show up and, and we're like, holy shit, this building looks like it's going to fall <laughs> down. Like, This is not even a fucking venue. This place should be destroyed. It should be, you know. And then, and then all the punk rockers start coming out, and they're they're being totally cool, and they have, they have cases of beer, and they're like, yeah, yeah, come down here, yeah, you play here. This is our, you know, our 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 uh, our, our jam room or or whatever, right? And like it's 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 like a you know place for like it's like a living room size. It's like in a basement, mm -hmm. and it's like leaking. And it has like water in it. And every time you touch the microphone, it like shocks you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like these type of venues. Yeah. But, and, and then, it, man, it, it sucked for a little while. But it was cool because we were there and we were just all young and we were just having fun. Yeah. You know, so uh, it, it grew. Our popularity grew just just word of mouth, you know. And, and by the end of the tour, we, we start like, like selling out like these small halls, like about like 300 people, you know, there's still squats and stuff, but especially in the, like, um, in, in like Holland, uh, Van Hall, mm -hmm. that was like a, a squat, but like it was a real venue, mm -hmm. but a squat venue. And, and, uh, the, the first time we went there, you know, there was probably only about a hundred people by the end of the tour. When we went, went back, it was like 400 or 500 people. Yeah. Like it, it was crazy how, how popular we grew. Um, and then at the end of the tour, that's when we recorded uh, a double live in Berlin. Mm. And then we, we went back home and uh, Dave's like, guys got to come out here again. Like you guys have to. And so in uh, 89, when we went back, it was like, we were playing like real venues. Yes. Like, real places you know um not squats anymore the only squats we were playing were like the well-established ones with like really good mm -hmm. venues and stuff like that so and and then uh that's when this album got recorded i can't remember the show really i, I have no recollection oh, i had so many questions about that but oh but but you took the decision to record it anyway No, we didn't. I think this recording just popped up oh, somewhere fuck. and uh, Barry, our guitar player, uh, just 
procured it somewhere and he just had the recording oh, like someone wow. sent it to him and i think it was a multi-track recording too obviously because they were able to go and well we were and and, oh. and uh we were able to go and remix it and stuff and kind of reamp and make it sound mm-hmm. a little bit better um but we had we i, I I believe we had no idea that that they were doing it at the because time. Because I, w- I was wondering, so you recorded this show like in the 80s. Where were those the songs all this time? <laughs> like they were somewhere because. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think in Denmark, too, uh, our buddy Adam, Adam Schwartz, like had also recorded us too. And, and I don't know if he has, he probably has some tapes nice. of us as well, because he was the, the sound guy at the squat that we would play in, uh, in uh, Denmark. And, and, and he also became our uh, like lag wagon sound guy and, and later mm-hmm. on. Um, but, but I'm sure he probably has some recordings as well. Uh, so people were actually recording the shows, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> But this one just seemed to like pop up and and um, and be one that that Fat Mike was interested in putting out and and mm-hmm. and got to thank Mike for for doing it because it's actually a, a pretty cool recording. Um, but I also remember I'm like listening to my bass playing on the on the record. I'm like, why is it like not as tight? It's a, it's a it's a little bit sloppier. Um, not that anybody could tell. I don't know if they could tell or not. I mean, I can tell. Uh, and, uh, and then I remembered I'd broken my finger skateboarding, I think <laughs> um, three weeks before the no. tour, but, but it wasn't, yeah, and it was on my left oh. hand and, and it was on my ring finger, I believe. So, so I didn't need a cast. I, I just had, a, um, you know, splint mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and I was able to take it off, you know, and kind of like warm it up. And be able to get away, you know, playing. And and that's and I was like, okay, that's why it sounds that oh, way. Oh wow. Oh, you know what? I broke mine too when I was seven. Look, it's still like it's still kind of messed <laughs> up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you have the same mine is it's a Look, little it's, obtuse. It's super Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mine is mine is as well. But, yeah, I can't I uh, can't know this. Anyways, yeah. uh okay, go on with the story. Yeah. So um The history of what happened then. Uh, okay, so we, 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 we come back home in, in 1989, yeah. you know, um, and, uh, and then we start getting kind of big, like on the West Coast in the States now because of uh, not only Rock and Roll Nightmare, but, but Dub- Double Live in Berlin was yeah. actually a better recording of the, um, of the, uh, 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 oh my God, <laughs> um, I, I totally... Lost my train of thought. Wait, hold on. I need more coffee. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, cheers. It's a coffee interview. Yeah, it's still in the morning yeah, for you. <laughs> well, that's that's what the morning has. Whoa, that looks trippy. Look, magic. Oh, yeah. Nice. Want to see my coffee disappear? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you were um, back to the from the store back in the U.S. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so the popularity of like Rock and Roll Nightmare and Double Live in Berlin, you know, we start gaining popularity, you know, in the States. And, um, and I remember like we, we played the last show we played at, as that like lineup, Mm -hmm. um, was it the Reseda country club in Los Angeles? And this place like holds like about a thousand people and and we sold it out. We played there, sold it out and red hot chili peppers the night before played it and sold it out. So, so like, I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Like we're selling out places that like chili peppers are selling out, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then right after that, we break up. (sighs) Yeah. I read that there was some tension in the band on tour and there was, there was, yeah, there there was, uh, you know, like there were drugs, drugs started, you know, coming into play, um, you know, hard, hard drugs and, And, um, and so, and then musical differences as well, Oh yeah, you know, about directions of like where people want to go with the, mm-hmm. with the, with the music and, and Balmer being like pretty much kind of like, uh, doing the lion's share of the writing 
in that situation. He had, you know, a, a lot to say about it. He really wanted it to be, you know, something different. And, and like I said, going back to, um, his, you know, his musical genius, like he, he's bored doing the same yeah. thing, you know? Oh, yeah. So he didn't want to go back and like, like try to recreate the wheel. He wanted to do something like bigger and better. He wanted to like, kind of like, like bring RKL into like kind of like a mainstream type of vibe and start writing music like that, you know, Um, which, which is cool, but like everybody else is kind of like, well, we're we're popular doing what we're doing. So we should just keep doing it because that's kind of like what people want. And then, and then because of drugs and everything else like that, it just kind of all fell apart and, and that's sad at that point. Yeah. Oh my God, it must have been such a grief for you. Like, it was. I was super bummed. I, I was like, it, you know. Because um, you're like always on high dopamine, like always like super, a lot of energy from the people, and then that's it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, man, like it, it was just, it was a high point for me because I was like, holy shit, this band is actually going to become kind of huge. And, and then we can like, Um, you know, like maybe make some money off it oh, or something. Yeah. Mm. And then, you know, I was still skateboarding too. So I was like on top of my game yeah. and, and then it all kind of quit. And then I was like, okay, well now I have to go to college oh. and <laughs> got to figure out something else, Yeah, you know, and that's what I started doing. Um, and, and until Bomber formed another band called Slang. Mm-hmm. And then this is stories leading up to the next RKL <laughs> Uh, creation or, uh, or or the next lineup yeah. of Arkell. Uh, he formed a band called Slang, right? And he got Chris Rest on mm-hmm. board uh, playing guitar. And Bomber was now singing and, and writing songs instead of playing drums. And they had like a couple of, of drummers that they tried out um, until they they found this guy, this guy, Jeff. Uh, and then And then they asked me if I wanted to play bass in the band. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll play bass. But like the music that we were playing, um, it was, it was like, it was funk rock. Funk rock. (laughs) So funk rock. Yeah. I mean, like, like really soulful shit, but like, yeah, it was crazy. And and I could tell that's the direction of where Bomber wanted to go musically. He wanted to start writing like mainstream music. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm on board then, you know, if you guys want to have me, I I just love to play. So, and that's, that's like how I learned how to play like other bass styles. Mm -hmm. I learned how to play with my fingers. I learned how to slap. I learned how to do like all these like tapping stuff. And, and so that, that like actually, you know, made my bass playing skills go up even further. I got a lot of questions from the listener, like how did you find your style? How did you learn all those tricks? So now that you're telling us the history, it all makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, and Bomber was still, like I said, he was still, you know, writing all the songs, Mm -hmm. you know, but we were like collaborating too. That was really Mm -hmm. cool because we knew exactly like what kind of style we were going to do. So we knew that like if we came up with ideas um, in that wheelhouse, then then it would kind of like make the cut or we'd try to make it happen just by jamming, you know, but, but Bomber taught me how to slap. I mean, he was playing every day. He was playing bass every day. He was playing guitar every day. Like everybody was playing all the time, you know? So we got really Mm -hmm. good really quickly and and really good together. Uh, And there's actually a demo on, um, on YouTube where you can, you can hear an early demo of the slang stuff, like three songs. Uh, And, and it's, it's, It's called Slang, uh, Dol- the Dolby demo. There was a guy there, because Dolby uh, was stationed in, in San Francisco. You know, Dolby, the, the music, like the, the, uh, um, the theater sound, stereo yeah. sound. You know, they invented all that stuff. They were in San Francisco. So this guy, this engineer who worked for Dolby, had gone to one of our shows, and he's like, I want to record a demo for you guys. Nice. It'll be totally free. But like, I want you to come down to the Dolby uh, theater and record it there. And we were like, fuck yeah, yeah this is radical. So, so we, we recorded three songs there and you, and you can find it yeah, on YouTube. Yeah, I just YouTube. took a note to check uh, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you can put the link uh, up or, or whatever. Yeah, so on check the show notes. Yeah, that's the, 
that's a, that's a musical style we were going for back then, right? So so slang keeps on having iterations of people in mm-hmm. in, in bands, and then and then like like Jeff quit the band, and then I called Dave Ron, Dave Ron, who plays drums for mm-hmm. Lagwagon, obviously. Uh, because we were childhood friends. Like I actually grew up with Dave Ron. I'm, I, we went to the same elementary school together. Oh. I've known him ever since I was six years old. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So, um, so I called him and, and said, Hey man, you want to, you know, try out for this band. Do you want to play drums? And, and so he did. And then, and then, but he actually learned a lot of shit from Bomber too. Nice. Because Bomber is an awesome drummer. So now he's joined the band and he's learning a lot of stuff. And, and so we become like this, you know, this really tight, tight band that, that is just playing in San Francisco mm-hmm. all the time. We get really popular in San Francisco, not really anywhere else, but, but in San Francisco, even though we did tour the West Coast. And so um, Brett Gerwitz from Epitaph, he saw us play when we played in L.A., and, and he was like really, really interested in the band. And he's like, we want to sign you guys to Epitaph. Yeah. And we're like, cool. But like, we were an Epitaph band at the time. I mean, you know, that's like right around the same time that they were, you know, like we're putting out Bad Religion albums and Pennywise albums and even the, the Rancid albums. Oh, no, you know, oh, at the no time. FX. It was at the same time. Yeah, oh, no effects. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. SM, or SM mm-hmm. Airlines and Ribbed and, and all that stuff, right? Um, so we're like, hell yeah. So we go down to studio city and then we recorded a, a, a slang album basically. And, you know, and it's all kind of funk rock and then people could actually listen to that album too and see the musical direction yeah. where we were yeah. going as well as the Dolby demo. Um, so we go and record it. It's supposed to be a slang album. And then Bomber <laughs> and Brett like get this idea to like not call it slang anymore. But to call it oh, sorry <laughs> that about was that. really funny. Ding. <laughs> yeah. No, it's fine. Not that. <laughs> oh, anyways. It was um, a good timing for this. So, so they, they got this idea to call it RKL. They're like, we'll re-record RKL songs and we'll put it on the wow. album. And then we'll re- we'll just call we'll just call it an RKL album. So that's how Reactivate came about. But was it such a change that people were like, Are you sure it's the same band? I don't Remember, like the company. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! The first tour that we did, people were fucking bummed <laughs> because Bomber was singing. You know, yeah. and he had the, like this soulful voice, like oh, 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 or something like that. You know, and and, and Jason's, you know, like oh yeah, you know, but like two different yeah. styles, two different people, and and so when when people came to see RKL, they were like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> I didn't come here to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> or something. Even if they sold, so, yeah, even if... <laughs> meets, meets Soundgarden, meets like something else, you know? They were pretty bummed. And then when we go into to RKL songs, they were like, kind of like, okay, that's cool, but no, yeah. no. And and uh, and then we, we did a tour in Europe and it just was not going well. And so Bomber was like getting a lot of heat. There was a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm because a lot of it was on him. So, yeah. so it just kind of, he went down the rabbit hole as far as like uh, having depression and then doing drugs and then like really going off the deep end and, and then just being very hard to deal with too, you know, because he's like the pretty much kind of like the diva in the band, yeah. like his band and he's the lead singer. And, and so um, it, it just, it got to the point where it just got, Uh, so stressful that that he just quit oh, the tour. Oh, like he had a, br- a breakdown and it's it was like too much, like in one yeah. shot. Mm. Yeah. So so we had already actually planned on that tour to to take about like a couple of weeks off in uh, Barcelona mm-hmm. just to spend time oh, there in the yeah. middle of the tour as like a kind of a vacation. And so we ended up going there earlier. And staying there for like a month. Wow. In a big villa. Like a big... No, in, in squats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in dirty old squats and friends' houses that were just really super cool. Uh, RKL's always been like big in Spain, and especially Barcelona. 
I mean, the Spaniards love us. And, and so when, when we said we needed a place to stay, that everything was falling <laughs> apart, they were, everybody with open, open arms was like, come on, like, come here, like to stay, you know, we'll take care of yeah. you guys. And so that was really cool. And, and so we had a vacation and it was so much fun, but we basically like spent all the money that we made on the tour. And we were like, what are we going to do now? Because our plane tickets were for like, you know, like a month oh, later or yeah. something. And so, so we came up with the idea that like, look, like RKL's here, a band is here. Why don't we just call up Jason and tell him to come here and we could just finish off the tour wow. as RKL, the band. And our first couple of shows will be here in Barcelona. Then we can make some money so we can go to Berlin and start the tour again. I love this idea. Tell me what. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's what we did. Oh. We, we basically called... We basically called Jason. He borrowed money from wow. his dad. He, he flew over to Barcelona. Like, I think he got there like the day before our gig too. And we had no practice. I mean, we had practice as a band, Not but no him. practice with him. Yeah. And, and so he's just like, you know, it had been years since he sang in the band. So I remember like backstage uh, before we, we, we played, we're like, you know, he's just sitting there in the corner like this, just all. We're like, Jason, are you okay? Like, are you gonna, are you gonna pull this off? He's like, no, 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 I, I totally got it. He's like, I'm just trying to remember all the lyrics to the songs. <laughs> so he's going through like all the lyrics to, his, to the songs in his head. And then we get on stage and it, it just went off. It, it just, the chemistry came back. It was Dave Ron playing drums now, but he knew all the shit that Bomber knew. Oh, yeah. So the band was like really super tight. So Oh like it, Dave was doing a great job. Everybody was doing a great job. We had Jason back. So we finished the, the tour at that point and flew home and then talked to Epitaph and we wanted to do a follow-up album to reactivate. Mm. And so that's when we, we recorded uh, Richest a Rat. Nice. A kind of, kind of ode to like rock and roll nightmare where the album covers like with them and, huge pad in Montecito and then like, you know, they're, they're like looking super rich and stuff like that. And then this album's like, now we're like totally busted and we have no money, <laughs> you know? So that's why we called it riches to rags. And it, it was quite appropriate at the time. Poor, poor, so, kid, so, poor kids on LSD. Hmm. Yeah. Poor kids on LSD. Yeah. Or poor kids on glue because LSD is more, oh. Expensive. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Or paint. <laughs> Huffing paint. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. <laughs> But at, at this <laughs> time, because a lot of people told me, like, this band has had such an influence on me, blah, blah, blah. Do you, were you realizing this or it was afterwards? Well, we knew no effects had, had you know, really. Yeah, because liked RKL a lot, yeah. was heavily influenced by RKL. I mean, Mike's even said it before. I mean, he, he actually was driving us around the yeah. gigs in, in his cleaners van. <laughs> he was like our driver. Nice. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so we knew we had influence like, you know, no effects. And then obviously no effects got big. They started influencing other people. And then, you know, but yeah, I, I think at the time, We didn't really know yeah. the, 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 the capacity of it or how big the scale was, you know, but people come up all the time or come up to me all the time and said they had been influenced by RKL and stuff like even like the same, even the satanic surface. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tune in next week for the thrilling conclusion. Hangover. Shall we say, this is the last time I'll stand. Practice the way you feel in the reality.
Minecraft friends, thank you so much for listening. Next week, you're gonna hear part two of the interview with Joe from Black Wagon and Rich Kids on LSD. Don't miss this! Thank you so much to Epic Merch Store for sponsoring this episode. Thank you to Scott Alquist for the co-production and the edit. Thank you to Caroline Morin for the beautiful visual that I use on social media. I strongly encourage you to support the Punk Rocket Show by sharing the episode on your social media and tag me. You can also give me feedback, suggestions. You can subscribe to the Patreon. You can make one-time donations on PayPal and buy me a coffee. All the links are in the show notes. Thank you. I love you guys. See you next week.